Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number three on DirtyOldMen.tv. Thank you once again for tuning in with us. Uh, I'm Simon, one of your hosts, my co-host, Mr. Colin Roundtree, over to my left, or right over there. I always get that wrong. How are you today, sir? I'm just fine. Good to see you, Simon. Always, always. And, of course, we have our wonderful, beautiful guest. Um, we've worked with her a ton. She's, uh, she's done a ton of stuff behind the camera, in front of the camera. She's held boom microphone, boom <laughs> stands for microphones um, on, on major productions. She's written a ton of articles, a serious academic, the purple-haired, gorgeous Miss uh, Ava Mir... Um, <laughs> thank you very I'll much for you. getting on the show. I'm um, just going to cut my losses and stay my with... Name. Yeah, I'm just going to cut my losses and stay with calling you Ava. I'm not going to take a crack at that one. I was actually in the washroom this morning and I was like, how, do, how the fuck do I pronounce that last? name like what is that i thought I'm it, just gonna... I, I thought i thought it was a, a kinky version of baron von munchausen when i first saw it but <laughs> okay no okay you have to i have no idea who baron von munchausen, munchausen. Who, who is that uh, i'll tell you later oh, okay. <laughs> all right google it folks um so ava thank you very much uh, for being on the show um uh this is our third episode you're the second um person that has ever worked in front of a camera that's been on the show mm-hmm. And uh, but but really, what's super interesting about you is your diversity and what you've been able to uh, kind of put your hands in all these different you know cookie pots around the industry. Can you can you talk a little bit about a few of the things that you've done? We're calling them cookie pots now. Yes, because I love um, cookies. <laughs> that's, a, that's a new name for it. Yeah. Cookie jars. Um. Yeah. Cookie jars. Um. Yeah. So I guess I I kind of I identify as a bit of a sex nerd. So that's taken the form of being a pervert on camera, but also uh, a writer and a thinker of all things, you know, gender, sex, and kink-based. So writing uh, and my studies have uh, evolved around uh, around the work that I've done and around the, uh, you know, the people I've met in the industry and and all of the uh, marvelous, you know, sexual diversity that that um, has introduced me to. All right. And, you know, I've I've known you um, both as your director, as your um, head of the crew for some of the movies we've done in the past (laughs) over the years. Um, And you just, you've got your finger in so many, I'll call them pies, that's usually instead of cookie dough. How, you know, as as an academic um, and author, how, did, how does it help you to have the perspective from, you know, on the other side of the camera or on a crew mm-hmm. for making a movie? Does that, is that an integral part of feeding your thought process for your writings? Um, I think it's just really important to, to write about things that you know. Um, it's funny, I just was reading this uh, Chris Hedges book. Um, the Empire of Illusion, and there's a whole chapter about the illusion of intimacy where he rants and raves like a, like an adolescent about the debauchery and the perversion of the porn industry. And this is clearly someone who'd been, you know, went to the AVN Awards once and talked to five people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, for one thing, if you're writing about the industry, it's really important to have actually been there or to mm-hmm. have seen sides of it that um, aren't necessarily the most mainstream. To give another perspective, but also that yeah, I think just through um, through that work, through the the clients I've had in webcam, through the people that I've met in on cast and crew, it's just really enlightened me to a lot of different perspectives that you wouldn't get because it's people who are thinking sex all the time um, and not in the ways that we typically 
uh, are told we can think about sex. So it just gives a new, um, a new relationship to something that we consider universal, this, you know, sexual beingness that we all are supposed to have. Um, and so it, it brings in a perspective that I think is very, um, can be very educational, very enlightening to folks that don't have that kind of relationship with sexuality in general and with their own sexuality as a kind of performed object. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I, I always find when I'm talking with you, Ava, is that I feel like a like a total like caveman, like just knuckle dragger. Because you always like <laughs> we've spent a lot of time in a car together, uh, driving various places, and it, it's always like, oh, I read this book by this dude, and I'm like, I I always like I never read. I always read like fantasy and, and science fiction, and I always feel like a total dork when I'm around you. So I just want to say that you're very educated, <laughs> educated last, but that also has relevancy to your writing, right? Because you are an academic. This is your field of study. This is your almost like your profession, right? Is sex and sexuality, uh, or at least part of it. Um, so, I mean, ha- I want to talk a little bit more about your writing because we've talked about, you know, we're skirting the issue a little bit, but. You know what? Can can you talk a little bit about what you've written and specifically maybe lately, just to give the listeners and viewers an idea of you know what we're actually referencing? Yeah. Um, so I'll just mention I'm in in my academic training. I'm officially an anthropologist, um, but I sneak I sneak sex in there all the time. Sex anthropologist. Um, sex anthropologist. Yes. Um, so a lot of my writing has been a sort of sex and culture kind of focus, because anthropology is, you know, the study of people and, and culture. Um, so that's some more, uh, recent stuff on the academic side has been on, um, on sex work and, uh, orientation, like sexual orientation, um, and then some stuff on polyamory. Then on the less academic, more fun side, I've been doing um, sex toy reviews, Ooh. which... Uh, <laughs> where, where can people find those, by the way? At shush.com. But can you spell that out? Because, I, like, we... I, I know people S's? said, like, how... how, how I, I believe it's SSSH.com. S-S-S-H. Yeah, that's how Three S's and H. Three S's and an H. There you go. Go check that out, folks, because it is really entertaining stuff. But, yeah. On that note, on that note, I want to sort of segue over, speaking of the ratings for shush.com. You were a part of a crew that we put together to shoot... Um, what what has now been deemed by the mainstream media as mommy porn, uh, <laughs> uh, spurned on by this um, wildly popular, uh, with bad grammar book called Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, do you want to talk about when worlds collide? Because you were right there when it happened. ABC Nightline came up. Uh, they wanted to shadow us doing the thing. They were interviewing the cast and the crew. So we've got, um, you know, we've got professional, you know, actors. A, professional porn filming crew. They don't really call it porn for shush. It's erotica. And you standing there with your boom handle watching Nightline descend on us. Talk about that and maybe segue out of that into when worlds collide. Why does the mainstream media love sex and now they're loving sex for women? Oh my God, who would have thought that women look at dirty movies and read dirty books? So just Just go off that use that (laughs) as a jumping off point and fill in all the points. So, okay, I didn't take notes on everything you just said. Um, <laughs> so, so right, I came down to uh, be part of the cast 
uh, or the crew rather, on, on that uh, film. And so I was doing Boom Like, uh, which is a very, I find it, you're a pretty distanced position. You're trying your best not to be seen or, or felt. So I felt I was in a very observational um, state, I guess. So it was interesting to see the way that, uh, that Nightline reacted and how quickly um, the mood could turn. Like, oh, we're, we're kind of in this together. We're going to, you know, show mainstream media this great stuff that's going on in porn to, precisely to give that other view. Like I was saying earlier, a lot of times the mainstream depictions of the industry are written by people who've seen, like, one Max Hardcore film and then, you know, um, so I thought, this is great, you know, people who watch Nightline, I don't know who those people are, um, are going to see this this other side of things. And then I don't know what happened. There was a, like a, a turn in the mood and suddenly it felt like we were going to be demonized for, you know, making hot, you know, sexy lady porn. Um, and I think... Oh, where does but but you know that? what we that that whole segment actually turned out to be the opposite. We were all pretty worried about yeah, that because that I was know, the approach of the interview. It. You know, we 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 all kind of left that feeling like with a pit in our stomach, saying, "Oh mm-hmm. my God, it happened again! It happened yeah. again!" They came in under the premise of you know we want to show the world that you know sex is okay and that women can like sex and that's not a, not a yeah. bad thing. You know that that's a good thing. That's fine. Like. That's the most integral part to our fucking society, <laughs> you know. Right. Like I, I always relate it back to the, you know, you can like on. I remember was it on like Style Project or something way back in the day when that was like a really big site. I remember like seeing like a Russian dude or I think it was a Russian guy or something. Anyways, getting like his throat cut out, you know. And then there was like people getting like in bus accidents and car accidents on YouTube and shit. Like that's fine, right? But if you show a little <laughs> yeah. bit of skin, it's just like. <laughs> No, like, like it's so funny how violence, the, the antithesis to life, as opposed to the creation of life, you know, and, and what we should really be about is, it, it's so, it's so mixed up and backwards, but, um, but yeah, but, but that segment actually turned out to be pretty positive. Yeah, <laughs> I was, it, I was, I just it, watched it, it a couple of weeks ago, actually, yeah. and was and really we've got surprised. A, and we've got a link to it on the episode um, oh. that people can go watch the ABC Nightline, um, we've got it archived, so... Hmm. If people want to see how well it turned out, we were quite amazed. Um, you know, yeah. we sat 11.30 at night. We all sit in front of the television set and say, okay, are they going to do a gotcha and demonize us? But no, it was nice. I mean, it, it was the typical, oh, my God, whoever would have thought that women are sexual beings and watch movies and stuff. So, yeah. um, and, yeah. and it, it was amazing mainstream exposure. But I wanted to yeah. loop back to this weird... Mm. Um, it's almost like a symbiotic relationship, but not a, yeah. but not a very friendly one between mainstream media, mainstream academia, and um, adult entertainment industry um, yeah. you know, of all levels. Just kind of talk about that a little bit, because it moves back and forth as far as mm-hmm. you know, one needs the other. We need the publicity from the masses. They need to, and they need their <laughs> lurid, titillating stuff. Um, yeah. So just opinions on that. Well, I was I was thinking about this as I was just finishing this this book I was um, reading is that the premise of a lot of the anti I mean this was really someone writing from a kind of Andrea Dworkin nineteen like eighties sex wars perspective that I thought you know was kind of over by now um, and the real crux of those anti porn arguments seems to be just a, a, a 
devaluing of sexuality. Sexuality is a purely corrupting force, as a as a, a purely um, something that one can't access with total agency and with uh, and with kind of clarity. There's this idea that sex sort of makes people um, makes people crazy and makes them do things that they wouldn't. Uh, necessarily want to do, and like I think the marijuana. Yeah, I know it's gateway. <laughs> it's a gateway <laughs> activity. Fucking raccoons on the side of the road, you know. It's just like um, this. There's this perception that you know, unlike other kinds of of activities, it just you know will propel people to do things. Like you, if you can say like, oh, I just want to kill that guy, and no one thinks you're going to go kill them. But if you say, oh, I just want to go fuck that guy, they're like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, there, oh, whore. Yeah. Keep yeah. it in, whoa there, keep that keep vagina in, in your pants. You know? And I think it's almost, it's interesting that the same sentiment that sort of propels these anti-porn arguments almost seems really present in these mommy porn arguments, this idea that, um, that women, it's, it's so frustrating that term mommy porn just drives me crazy because it <laughs> yeah. so desexualizes mm-hmm. women who happen to have children. Um, although I'm, I'm not sure everyone who falls into the mommy porn demographic actually has kids. It just means women over 40, I guess. Um, so we presume they have kids because that's what good women should do, right? Um, but uh, it, it presumes that once you have children or you reach a certain age and you happen to be a woman that your sexuality is pretty much erased like and so this this idea that women might be reading erotica um, is that's why it's so shocking to people because it reignites the concept of an older woman having a, a sexual drive and not just wanting to take her kids to soccer practice over and over again, you know. And I think that's a really upsettingly, you know, sexist um, place to to come at this from. And then there's also the shock, like I said, of this this uncontrollable, corrupting force of sexuality. What do we do when even our good mothers are reading not just erotica, but erotica that has power play, and and is a little is a little kinky. Um, and there's a big fear of eroticizing power play. I think because the whole, I think the whole fun about eroticizing power is because power is this inescapable force that we're all subject to. Um, and so almost in order to, to live with that, you have to make light of it. It's like, it's like clowning around um, these larger social issues. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's also just fun to get spanked. But <laughs> Do you think uh, that the, the, the whole mommy porn thing, like, I think it's, it's only pretty recently that the sexuality of older women has kind of become a little bit more mainstream. Um, like I, well, let, let me let me jump right on that topic you're about to go on because I was going to say it to Ava. Um, do you I'm think? No, no, no. I did, no wait, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> um, because we don't say anything. We just come around and. <laughs> you know, you're paid by the word. Um, exactly. So, where was I? Okay, <clears throat> so this is not a new thing, though. This whole. Fifty Shades of Grey releases. There's a trilogy. Every everywhere you go, somebody's reading it on a bus or a plane or whatever. The place, the thing is everywhere. Um, 
But for the last 50 years, one of the top five types of fiction, as far as best-selling, stickiness, authors being able to make a living, is romantic. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe a bad word, but um, romance novels yeah. and sort of and sort of that Harlequin softcore-ish yeah. guy with the, the sea captain with the you know shirt open oh, on the book cover. Who's do also think, a pirate? <laughs> yeah. So, do you think that this is just a natural extension of that? Has it always been there? But by suddenly adding um, sort of a BDSM relationship or a power play and actually saying, and he thrust his large, badly constructed grammatical sentence yeah. member into me, that now there's a shock value. It's, like, it's the same thing with, mm. with butt plugs. Or, mm. is this something, or is this something different? I think, um, you know, I, I haven't read a lot. There has been a lot of academic work done on, on the romance novel and gender. Um, which I have not read much, but my my kind of gut instinct is that, you know, the 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 romance novel is has served as a sort of um, guide for for how gender roles are are supposed to be played out, and and the gender role, the sexual pat, the sexually passive role, or the certain formulations of a sexually active role that women are sort of entitled, or uh, or dam- damsel in distress, or yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're going, there's there's very sort of specific ways that you're allowed to have your sexual agency operate in those in those um, novels. Not that I have to admit I haven't read uh, any, <laughs> but you know, I I, I uh, I've sort of gotten the concept down. Um, and so I think what's perhaps happening is that these uh, sort of kinky books that are coming out um, geared towards the same demographic are sort of saying, no, we're, we're pretty much the same kind of book. We've just added a little bit. So it's okay for you to read this. It's acceptable. And it is extending the boundaries a little bit of what people feel okay to read. Because, I mean, if you look at classic erotic uh, S&M books like Venus and Furs or The Story of O, like those get pretty, they get pretty fucked up. Sorry, can I mm. swear on here? Yeah, swear <laughs> all you want, yeah. It's encouraged. It's already, uh, yeah, I figured it'd be okay, but that's so crass of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think those books, which I thoroughly enjoyed as a, as a you know, emerging pervert, um, you really they're not going to be accessible to everyone. Some people are going to start to read those books and go, whoa, okay, the, I, don't, I don't think I identify with this. This is too far out for me. But it's funny, sorry and to interrupt, so these but are the, kind those of in the books were actually, like the story of it was actually written for a man. Yeah, right? it was like, for with, her lover. Exactly. So it, it, it's interesting to me how that's translated because I, I think women are no less sexual beings than men, and thus those books have just as much appeal to women. But I think it took a while to get there, right, where women were comfortable to read that kind of material. And that's exactly right. what you're touching on. Well, I think, and here I have to, I have to point out, I have a really um, conflicted relationship with the four men and four women philosophies because I, I don't, I think that any differences that there are between how people who have penises and identify with, as male and people who have vaginas and identify as female, any of the, the, you know, hard differences are more culture and social society based than uh, do, you, do you really think For, so? I mean, women, I absolutely think so. So, so, I mean, 
just in my own experience, right? Just in the in the women and the men that I know, women just tend oh, to be exactly. a little bit more um, nurturing, a little bit more interested in the in the mental side of sexuality, whereas men sure. are a lot more visually stimulated. So, I mean, to me, that feels that I don't have any scientific proof to back this up, but it does feel like there are some hard differences not that it's mm. the general it, it's it's more of a general rule as opposed to the absolute rule there's exceptions to be well, sure it, but well let me let me jump, let me let me yeah. say, address what simon just said from a from a director and film producer uh right. point of view because you know i i direct and co-produce both movies for wasteland.com which is no, uh which is fairly you know is bdsm uh, lifestyle sort of thing, and also shush.com, S-S-S-H. Um, you know, I, I I tend to take more of a backseat role on that because I don't want to influence the process because it there are films that are produced and written by women, for women. But I think there is a difference in what um, women in general, and this is a wholly jumping generalization Batman statement, but women tend to respond to a different dynamic and vibe sure. uh, for erotica than, than, what, than, oh. what men, than what men do. And I'm just so, saying I don't think it's genetic or like hormonal. I think it's no, that, No, you know, I don't think it's a gene. It's, that's that's it's, all it's, I was saying. You it's know? culturation. And I think it's important. I mean, we all know that there's exceptions of, you know, folks that, uh, you know, enjoy the what you wouldn't expect. Like, I know plenty of women who like, you know, fist fucking, oh, yeah, throat absolutely. sucking crazy. <laughs> uh, most of the women I know are more into that. They're like, they, you know, anything with a soft focus, they would just kind of run away from. Um, so, so, uh, so on that, on that though, where I was kind of going with that is that because of the rampant um, success monetarily of like Fifty Shades of Grey and there's a movie coming out, um, yeah, they're making a movie of the thing. Of course they're making a movie. The thing sold a billion copies How a minute. How are they going to get it past the ratings? I don't. I it's have no idea. Um, How are you going to take your kids to it if you're I a have, mom? I have no idea. Because uh, if what, you leave them with the babysitter, you're a terrible mom. Uh, Thank God. No, wait, leave anyway, your kids to go out and watch porn. What I'm, seeing, what, I'm, what, I, what I'm seeing, though, is spurned by the success of that commercially, um, is this interesting thing on the adult entertainment side of, you know, these standard um, Silicon Valley, L.A. porn shops that are doing, you know, three positions come in her face and slap her and the end. Are, everybody what? seems to be now going to do a romance line. Yeah. And like, what do you think of that phenomenon of, of the, the, these kind of male-dominated traditional right. 1970s-based porn companies? just suddenly saying, okay, well, let's throw some Vaseline on the lens, make it soft focus, have a little storyline. Mm -hmm. um, what, what do you think of that? Well, maybe we're bored, you know? I, like, um, there, there was, like, the early stages of, of porn where there were more, like, you know, full, full films and storylines, and, and, and then when like VHS hit and there was, you know, you got a lot more nailhead mustaches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you just got more volume. And then I feel like the last, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a historian of the porn industry, but the last 10 years or something like there's been the influx of just push it out gonzo and, and mm -hmm. just fill in the formula. Someone will always buy. And now we're oversaturated and yep. people are, I think, starting to realize that, that you can't just keep, 
pumping out the exact same thing with the exact same type of people and continue to to be relevant and to be profitable. And so maybe people are cluing in that, oh, there's this market we've never really paid attention to called women. That's what I think is the driving force behind that. Because being 50% of the population, you're a pretty large market base that has largely been ignored for a long time. We don't like to brag, but we are, yeah, we are half the world. Um, (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) And and so I I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see you know, because there was the the formula that got just mass produced um, that we thought men would want forever. So I, it'll be really interesting to see what formula is produced for women mm-hmm. uh, and how badly that can be done a million times. But <laughs> it's true. Eh? Um, all, all you have to do is come, all you have to do is come down to the states and turn on a channel called Cinemax and see a genre that's called Skinemax. It's softcore, never shows genitals, it'll show boobs, and grinding. It, yeah. That's, that's been around like for Blue years. Nuit. I grew up on Blue Nuit. Um, yeah, exactly. Just, so it's, yeah. It's, it's always kind of the same storyline. This woman owns yeah. this resort, and the couples come and rediscover right. each other's sexualities. and So what I'm seeing from a production point of view is that the, the actual uh, porn movies for women that are coming out of... Um, out of the adult industry, the you know the old school adult industry is simply taking that plot paradigm formula of hotel erotica or you know these ones that are on Skinamax and and <laughs> yeah and put some vag in it. Um, yeah, Blue Nui was weird, man. I remember when I was a kid, and that's that was my like that was my porn. And so hard to make. I remember the the one memory I have of Blue Nui was a girl sticking like she rolled up like a a stale like pancake or something. And she put it in her vagina. I was like, it, what? I was like, oh, this really? was my, this, I think this was like one of my first, if not my first introduction to like actual sexuality. We that know fucking blue and we made me a fucked up person. Goddamn, you part ruined my life. No, I'm just kidding. I really remember the one. But, they were in the, the room of tribal masks. So maybe that's why I went to anthropology. And this oh, wow. weird yeah. saxophone stuff. I don't know. That was Saxophones? a that was weird show. Was it yeah, Michael, was like, like a someone, Michael Bolton porn? <laughs> yeah, she was on a stripper pole, and this guy with a saxophone came out. It was uh, that was such a weird show. Is it That's still entertaining though? That to me, yeah, like, at least it was weird. There's like, well, there's mm-hmm. some storyline as as someone that makes movies like that stuff is really fun and entertaining to shoot. Colin, would you agree? Like, is is storyline stuff like is it more engaging as 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 the person behind the camera? For me, it is. So, well, I mean, for, for, from, for, from what's a, it like for you? From a creative point of view, as far as being producer or director or whatever I do, I would far rather do something that's got a storyline, that's got some special effects. You know, we've stuck yeah. Ava on the back of a motorcycle before and made her a secret agent. For, yeah, I'm going to load that movie uh, so, up right yeah, now. You, you, you can load watch. that one up and stick <laughs> it in there. Watch how good she looks in chaps. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think I would rather eat glass than to spend my life doing Three positions, come in her face, slap her, and done gonzo porn. It's just like, yeah. why? why? Um, let's it's give, not- give it some story. Yeah. Give it some interest. Yeah. Um, and I don't so- think that's about, I think that a lot of times they'll say that, <clears throat> especially for, like, women want a storyline because we don't want these just, like, disembodied, you know, sex parts. And But I think it's not so much to do with, um, you know, sometimes it's it's totally cool to just watch some, like, you know, you yeah. want to just see some bits and pieces. And the storyline isn't to give legitimacy It's to those the slapping parts. It's not like you have to have that to make it 
appropriate and okay mm-hmm. to watch the kinky parts. Yep. It's more that it just gives it a little more substance so that you can get into the head of the foreplay. The folks. It's foreplay. And and something with laughter. I don't, one of my favorite points of all time is uh, Captain Mongo's Porno Playhouse, and it's got <laughs> these clowns and midgets and like mermaids, and it's so fucking weird. And you'll be you know, playing with yourself, and then all of a sudden something really stupid will happen, and you just start laughing. And the the mixture of a storyline that makes you laugh mm-hmm. while you're getting off, I mean, I think that's just a, yeah. that's just a beautiful thing. I mean, I, I've, I've, <laughs> seen, I've, I've seen a couple of successful producer-directors um, that make really, really long feature films with a lot of story. One is John Stagliano, um, and the other one is Max Candy. Um, you know, who shoots a lot in Hungary and things like that. And, and Fashionistas, it's this massive thing, and there's two sequels to it, and the total runtime of the entire thing is probably longer than the Wagner ring cycle. You know, you take a sleeping bag if you want to watch a screening of the entire thing. Uh, Max Candy's works are similar. These are huge, sweeping things that take place in World War II era with women dressed up as, you know, stormtroopers and things like that. But... <laughs> what, 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 what they've both done as technology advances is that when they release the Blu-ray or just the DVD, the navigation of the disc allows you to use the sex scenes mm. as the focal point of navigation. Right. So if you want to watch the entire thing and laugh and cry and follow yeah. the character development, you can do that, or you can hit bang. Go straight. Yeah, was, absolutely. As, as Mr. Skin um, has been around forever, um, their byline for years and years has been, uh, fast forward to the good parts. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that what's important is that there's no shame in that. What I'm worried about with this new mommy porn thing is that women are going to be told that it's okay if you like porn, provided it has a storyline, provided it's not yep. just bang, mm-hmm. bang. bang. Um, and this is what gives you, like like I said, the legitimacy or the... the Mm-hmm. the allowance to go ahead and look at these things. Like, it shouldn't have to be book-ended between romance, novel. I mean, it's if you al- wanted almost, to. It's, it's almost just like about a, choices, you know? It's almost, like an old, know. it's almost like an old Catholic paradigm of you can kind of do as many sins <laughs> as you can stumble into as long right. as you keep it within the confessional structure. Exactly. So the village priest can make it sure you're not going to have a gateway or, activity. Or that you can you can use this book provided it's to better your sex life with your husband because oh, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah, that yeah, a lot yeah, too, yeah, right? Yeah. Which is great. I think mean, you know um, Simon, we've talked good about byproduct. this before. Yeah, you know that porn and erotica does make people's sex lives better with their partners, mm-hmm. um, and but I think it's also that it should make your sex life better with with yourself mm-hmm. um, and just your. You know, just your pure singular enjoyment, and well, I, think I think that should that, be the focus. That should be the the first thing that happens, or, yeah. or the reason for doing it in the first place. And then the rest, the rest should be just a byproduct. Like I said, like exactly. that should just happen naturally, right? Yeah. Um, and and I completely agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we why don't we take a second for a commercial break, um, and then we'll come back. We have commercials. Yeah, absolutely, we must have commercials because we live in a capitalist society, and Yay, and, and and at least one of us has to pee. Um, <laughs> so this is less of a commercial break and more of a pee break. Stick stick with us, guys. We'll be back in uh, in just a moment after this commercial break. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dirty Old Men TV, episode number three. Our guest uh, is Ava, uh, and uh, of course, my co-host, uh, Mr. Colin Roundtree. Thank you again for uh, sticking through that commercial break. Um, so we're going to take the, the show in a, a bit of a different direction. Um, 
this I think is a great segue into uh, you know what we're doing right now is like a live show. You have a lot of experience in doing live shows, right? <laughs> Specifically on livecamnetwork.com. Yes. <laughs> yes, that that exact camera. Um, right can you here. tell us a little bit about your experience in that uh, cookie pot of the industry? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, I've been on livecamnetwork.com now for eight years, which is pretty. It's a pretty long uh, career for a cam girl. I used to manage uh, our studio and. I think typical turnover for a lot of models would be about a, a year max, you know. Um, and I did a little live cam on some other places before. Uh, you know, it was sort of my, when I turned 18, it was about a month later that I started uh, webcamming. And it's a really, I find a really interesting area of the industry to, to be in because it's just like this, you know, I, I would be, well, maybe not on this chair. I have a little couch here, but uh, <laughs> staring into this camera, you know, having a real one-on-one uh, kind of intimate experience with people where you do get to, you know, I love performing for a camera, but you get a lot of uh, interaction with the webcam, uh, with, the, with the live scenario, and so it's a really... I've learned so much that I that I take into my writing and my academic work from from webcam because you do get deeper into people's like kinky psyches. <laughs> yeah, there's you not can. as many inhibitions, right? Yeah, I think it really lets people be be free in a way. It lets them ask because they'll ask you for something so tailored that they can't get in a pre-recorded uh, context. So. You know, it's it's like something you've totally heard of before, but call me Nancy. You know, right. it's um. <laughs> I, I, so. I'm curious about that because I mean, one of the the most interesting things that ever happened to me when I first got in into the industry when I was uh, shooting for my first pay site, um, it, it was a BDSM pay site, and um, basically I'd shot a foot worship scene or a heel like a high heels worship scene, and she wear she was wearing red heels. I got an email saying, "Can you do the same thing, same models?" With exactly. blue shoes, mm-hmm. right? And and it was I mean that's the 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 specifics we're talking about in in, yeah. in certain fetishes and stuff. Obviously, that's maybe a, an old girlfriend of his had uh, or, or whatever the reason was, right? Yeah. So can you maybe um, talk about one interesting thing that happened to you, in, 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 kind of in that? And do you Only keep the and, and and do you always have the bicycle in the background for these as well? Because <laughs> I, I think it's a nice touch. <laughs> you know, this is my car, so and this is my parking spot. So yeah, a lot of times it's back there, and and uh, and people do ask. You should put a dildo on the seat and just like, I know, <laughs> and then just let their imaginations run wild. Take the seat right off and just. <laughs> just rip this out. I think so I have. Perfect. If we, if you want to take a break, I got some tools. We. Can. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just wear your helmets. Just okay. wear your helmets, folks. Wear your helmets. While wearing your dildo bike, riding oh. your dildo bike. <laughs> I mean, Safety you know. <laughs> uh, but in awesome. terms of like, like really, really intricate fetishes, you mean? Or, no, yeah. I think you would say more of like the like some actual experiences. Yeah, can you give an example? An, an, anecdotal yeah. stuff, just stuff that people are interested in. That. Oh, oh dear. I mean, it's. Nothing will ever surprise me anymore, I think. <laughs> um, uh, okay, we'll let you think about I, that I, a little I bit because you're kind of on the spot. Um, I think also it's that after a while, um, the types of things that when you first start would seem really interesting and anecdotal 
that mm-hmm. they lose their intrigue, but it all, like, if someone asks, you know, you know, for something basic or they ask for something kinkier, like, they don't register differently with me the way mm-hmm. they used to, which I think is interesting in terms of, like, how I've, how this influences my perception of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, when you really stop thinking of fetishes as something bizarre, but just a, a really honest manifestation that, you know, we all... We all have uh, really, I think, um, kinky and bizarre things that could potentially turn us on that we don't necessarily realize turns us on or want well, speak, to speaking of. of speaking of kinky and bizarre, mm. I mean, this was not um, in the live setting, but it was a film that you were shooting with us that involved mm. birthday cake. Um, <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> and maybe we can flip up anything that won't get us banned from YouTube up on the screen. As yeah, we talk I'll about try this. and but, find a thing. It, it was this cute little thing that, you know, yeah. it, was, it was just a little scene we shot. And it was, it was two women, and you were one of them, uh, a sort of a little birthday party. But you yeah. had mis- misspelled the person's name. That was her birthday. So, she just, so she just <laughs> mushed your face into the birthday cake and then yeah. just smeared it all over you. And... It was this beautiful shot, yeah. and I wish I don't know if we have the behind the scenes on it. Is during a little break in filming, where you kind of come up and look at me, and you're dripping with cake and stuff, and and, 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 and your exact words were something like, "What have I done with my life?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, in all honesty, I think that this is something that I, I try to to pull out in when I'm when I'm writing or talking to people um, about, you know, all things sex related is that we, I think we often separate out things that turn us on, things that uh, make us laugh, things that are centrally enjoyable, but not sexual. Um, Like we have these really rigid uh, and like cake doesn't turn me on. I don't look at a cake and want to fuck it, but it, (laughs) it feels cool to roll around in it and it feels fun to do something that you're not normally doing and to do that while you're also playing like I think that we as as humans like to separate things out a lot and it's mm-hmm. it's really some really interesting things can happen when we stop being so uh, compartmentalized with our you know sensual and sexual and emotional and and uh, physical experiences and so all, all of these things that we often call kinky and wouldn't want to identify with, I think we all have the potential to, to really open up what uh, what we enjoy in bed, but also just to open up and, and chill out about, like, oh, did that turn me on? Oh, it shouldn't turn me on? Or why do, you know, um, I people think there's can no better, break like, open. microcosm for that than a porn set. Because, yeah, you know, all being professionals, uh, we get very used to... I remember, I think it was on Reddit the other day when I saw a comment about something uh, porn-related or someone was, like, painting naked women. And they were like, oh, you just want to be around naked people. And, and I was like, uh, no, that's not true at all. Because after about, like, shoot two, it becomes very normal. And you're just like, whatever. You're, like, there's a guy walking around with his dick hanging out and a girl with fully naked. And they're, you know, we take breaks between sets and stuff. And you don't always, like, put on your suit jacket again and be like, I have to be formal again. I don't know about this nudity stuff. Ooh. No, it's just, <laughs> it becomes very normal. And, and sex and sexuality in a porn set is just, it's natural, obviously. And we're all very used to it. So I, I really, I like that microcosm of it. Yeah. Um, can you maybe go into depth a little bit more about 
the the reality of being on a porn set because i mean a lot of people you know there's a lot of mysticism behind it and they i think there's a lot of ideas of what might be going on a porn set and what the reality is yeah yeah i think you're right there is uh a really special atmosphere that can happen in a, in a room when it's a bunch of people who are used to being in that kind of room that that does relate to like that just general openness and ex, and uh, and feeling like like it's not uh, you know there's nothing taboo going on but there is a little bit and so it's fun like everything's I find pretty lighthearted and and there's a a real sense of humor I think is the most important thing for like for a good atmosphere yeah. in the and of course there's bad atmospheres that you know where you're like oh this is like people are feeling rushed or they're um, uh, you know there there's there can be like any work environment there can be better or worse atmospheres but I think you know when I've when I worked with you guys and and um, my uh, my favorite my favorite sets to be on are where there's a real strong sense of humor that there's something slightly ridiculous about what we're doing, and okay. that's great. I, I have know? to load up this clip. I'm going to do it right now, guys. We're going to be watching <laughs> it. Um, mm-hmm. It is the clip of uh, the agency, which um, you were working with, Goddess Starla, and yeah. uh, she she what was she calling? She was like a, an Eastern European, like I, I don't know, yeah, I, sort I, of like a spy. G- g- generic Eastern yeah. European intelligence officer yeah. that needs to somehow extract the. Secret code. Is this our fight scene? <laughs> yes, where you guys yeah. fight, and then she it. she picks up the phone, and then you did some ADR because you actually speak a little bit of German, if I'm not mistaken. Is it German? A little bit. Yeah. So you were you were going off and doing ADR is basically when we do some audio recording afterwards to be able to kind of like plug it in as um, as if it was happening on the spot. But um, and that was that was hilarious. Was so that kind of like for me? That's like super entertaining. I love to shoot that stuff because yeah. it's so. Funny. I think there's actually yeah. like Colin. I think you actually. If I think you did the behind the scenes where there's just a part of me like laughing for like three minutes flat, just like I can't fucking stop. It's so fun. And I think when people are laughing and having fun, even if when you cut that stuff out, that sense of joy remains and makes it so much more enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Even if you're doing something serious, kind of. Yeah. Um, because like. You know, sure, it's sex where you're, like, staring creepily into each other's eyes and it's all intense is, is lovely, but I think sex where you're rolling around and laughing is a lot more fun. And so if that kind of mood carries over, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's just much more interesting to watch and you don't feel like you're watching something that's, you know, kind of creepy or... Like, you don't feel... I think it alleviates a lot of the shame that people could feel watching that kind of mm-hmm. stuff when people are smiling and laughing it you, doesn't it's, feel quite it's so infectious. dirty yeah exactly or like it feels dirty in a really good way now, yeah, dirty in a good way. from yeah. a personal yeah. perspective though I, hopefully this isn't getting too personal but um did you <laughs> discover laughter in sex like pretty quickly in your in your sexual history or i mean oh. for me i know it took a long time to discover that you can laugh during sex and it didn't have to be a super serious passionate right. affair where everything it had to be like a movie you know where it's like mm. no we can fuck around and whatever like and just you know laugh and Actually, do stupid yeah. shit you know like how quickly did you discover that i um Actually, my one of my very first lovers, so I don't know if I'm allowed to say how old I was, um, uh, was, you know, we, we um, experimented a lot, you know, and uh, 
like a banana got involved really early on in my sex life and like he started to peel it and I, I said what are you doing you can't peel it before you put it in it's it's gonna like disintegrate yeah and so he turned it around so the peeled end was out and was fucking me with this banana but of course like I'm clenching and stuff and I don't mean to brag, but I'm pretty tight. And uh, I like squeezed, I squeezed all the banana out, and it was all over the bed. And I mean, that was probably in my first month of like being sexually active. Wow, man! In what we call sexually active? I mean, uh, uh, now I really feel like a dork in every <laughs> sense of the word. <laughs> I just out in a lot of ways with, um, I, I, you know. So we, yeah, by the end we were just laughing and, and then like you throw the banana aside and you do something else. And so, yeah, I think I, I've always tried to, to integrate humor. Well, sometimes you're forced to, right? Like yeah. ridiculous, embarrassing things happen and you can either get really ashamed and, and leave the room or you can be like, ha, I just farted on you. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 I can, and I can throw in sort of the, the, dirt, the actual dirty old man perspective on that, because I grew up in the 60s and the 70s. Um, it was a whole different thing then. You, we've heard about the sexual revolution. Well, it really was, and it was it, it had a lightness to it and a joy to it. Um, the, the, what brought the whole thing crashing down was herpes. Somewhere in the late 70s, 1980, this thing came out called herpes. And, oh, my God, um, this is now serious and the condom industry exploded and i wish i would have bought shares in trojan because uh, i'd be a billionaire at this point and then along came hiv um so yes. you know i have noticed over the years that going from being very light and funny and casual and unprotected and all of these other variables to being you know because of the hiv thing in the uh, 90s and 2000s just the absolute seriousness of sex now yeah. so you are well, the I'm king not- of fucking segues because Ava, I was just uh, on, say. on top of everything that she, we've already talked about with her, you She's are a also a sex health educator, right? I am. I am. I, oh, wait, uh, before I would... we go into that, I have one. I have one. One quick question, but I do want to go into that. Is 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 the is Trojan really a good name for a condom? <laughs> like, like I was discussing you this at a barbecue like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, like how? Like what? Like a Trojan horse? You go into the castle and you fucking kill everyone like that's, yeah. that's, anyway okay sorry that was just my i think go they're going it's you know the, the the soldiers or whatever um are sexy maybe is what they're trying to i don't know i mean lifestyles is a good name yeah i feel like that's pretty everyone can enjoy it no babies no no babies <laughs> no, no herp and that'd be a great name for no the herp. <laughs> No. <laughs> anyway, over into the sex chick, yes. educator right. and also, and also uh, one of our co-producers has passed me a note saying, in this, make sure to ask uh, Ava about the classes in Amsterdam. So, oh. so just sort of put that in this whole thing. Sure. Um, so I have been uh, a sex ed teacher um, off and on since 2006 uh, with a, a community group that I, I work for as well. Um, but I, I started as a volunteer when I was in uh, my undergrad and going into classrooms and just, you know, doing like HIV 101 and safer sex. And, and uh, I was just going to say that for the, you know, the, the seriousness that has 
come in with the HIV crisis, I think we're trying, or at least what I try to do, is, is to really bring fun into safer sex so that it doesn't feel so serious and it doesn't feel so, I mean, not dismissing the severity of HIV and the fact that it is still very much present um, and despite great medications, this is a really uh, difficult um, uh, disease uh, to live with. So um, we do try to make it a little more lighthearted and laughter and, uh, you know, we bring dildos and, and fake pussies and we, I showed a, a group of girls how to put a condom on with their mouth and um, that was really popular. <laughs> so, um, and just, you know, being kind of silly and uh, walking really just straight up information um, so that people don't feel like they're being told what to do, they're being given some options and, and, and that it doesn't have to be like this super serious thing that it can, you know, condoms can be uh, kind of hot. Well, I think you... people just learn so... better <laughs> or, or enjoy something yeah. or like something or pick something up better when they find it fun or enjoyable. So yeah. I think that's a, that's a really smart approach of doing it. Um, yeah, you don't want to be all doomsday. Yeah, yeah exactly. People make them terrified of sex. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's what, you know, it's what we call it, have it anyway. reduction sex positive approach yeah right. exactly and, I mean, and, if there, been... and if there's a banana involved as a prop for the education <laughs> of how to put on a condom well, you know, with your mouth we... it just goes into your early you don't we, we it. use straight up dildos we do not use oh, bananas okay. Oh, like, okay. no one because you know people can get really confused um, so we, we use just like those basic like Doc Johnson dongs you know <laughs> the, the like it's just like a tube of pinky flesh you know? pinky flesh um, <laughs> they're not very the, um, they're not very attractive and what's the, uh, terrible the, is those the, go missing from the office and you don't know what happened to them <laughs> it's happened a couple of times the person the person coming on in a future episode uh, from Cal Exotics, maker of sex toys and a competitor of Doc Johnson, is going to just love the way you described that. <laughs> <laughs> we can reference this episode and then be like yeah. Sponthrath <laughs> we'll put a big dildo on the overlay um Fleshlight, so too, by the way. Fle hey, Fleshlight people. We're talking to you. Because men yeah, like you, sex toys, too, which yeah, is something that I've, I never understood. Like, in terms of actual, like, masturbatory toys, um, I, like, when I, I was actually, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. I started listening to him, and he's been sponsored by Fleshlight for fucking ever. And I was like, wow, like, because I never really thought, I knew it existed, but I never really thought about it before. But, like, holy fuck, yeah, apparently it's, it's amazing. I don't, I don't own one, but maybe I'll get a free one when we get sponsored by Fleshlight. Yeah. There you go. Let's go to Amsterdam. What is this topic? Right. Okay, so I finished a, an undergrad degree in anthropology with interdisciplinary studies in gender and sexuality, um, which is a really long term to say that we talked about fucking. And um, I was not ready to go into grad school yet, but I didn't want to stop being a nerd, so I did a, a summer session in Amsterdam. They have a the Graduate School of Social Sciences. There has an English language uh, international summer program in uh, gender and sexuality studies. So, uh, needless to say, Amsterdam is a really great setting <laughs> for these kinds <laughs> of uh, mm -hmm. courses. You know, we went. We talked to um, the people at oh, what was it called? Pin the prostitution 
international network or something um, and like hung out at their sort of community space and got a tour of the red light district and someone got a rock thrown at them. It was awesome. Someone got a rock thrown at them? Don't take pictures. You know, it's a simple rule. It's a very simple rule that that I totally understand and respect and someone took a picture and they got a rock chucked at them. Okay, that's fine. Um, (laughs) That's, that, that is a legitimate rock. Go oh, rock. absolutely, absolutely. Go rock. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, we went to the gender reassignment surgery clinic and, and uh, had some, some presentations there, which actually Amsterdam has a really kind of conservative approach to, to transgender issues, which I found was uh, a little shocking. Really? Um, yeah, you, uh, you must complete full reassignment surgery like there's no fence sitting you're not allowed to say like I want top surgery but not bottom surgery or I want to do hormones but no surgery it's like you go full out or you don't you know does that apply to because I mean this is an issue that I'm not super educated on this specifically mm-hmm. but bathrooms right men mm-hmm. and women's bathrooms so for example do you have to get the entire surgery both top and bottom breasts and you know I guess vagina to penis um, right. to be able to go into the men's bathroom or vice versa. Like, how does that, how does that work? Mm-hmm. And more well, specifically think, there in, Am- in Amsterdam. I don't know for, you know, the thing about uh, bathrooms is that they have nothing to do with our actual genitals because it's all about interpreted gender, you know, what we see sort of uh, from the very, from the outside um, and how we presume, you know, that person's presenting. And so for all trans or gender non-conforming folk, bathrooms are really tricky territory, whether you've had surgery or not, because it, it just depends on how well you pass as the gender that uh, of the washroom you're going into. Um, and I know here there's been a lot of talk in, in university campuses and stuff about making gender-neutral bathrooms because a lot of assaults happen. A lot of people who are trans um, get bladder infections because they just don't go to the bathroom. They just mm-hmm. avoid it altogether because Tough it's subject. such a dangerous... Yeah, yeah and so I think... Um, what was interesting about uh, the Amsterdam uh, scenario is that I expected this really fluid um, acceptance of gender nonconformity and, and gender ambiguity, and actually it was it was a really hard and fast line that you get the surgery, you get the genitals to match uh, your presentation, and that's the end of the story. Um, whereas I, I appreciate, you know, I I, uh, I think it's much more interesting to have a, a social situation where you allow for, for a really wide range of gender expressions um, instead of making people kind of pin themselves down. Not that, you know, if you want to pin yourself down um, and go one, one side or the other, that should totally be in your freedom and, and right to do, but I, I, I love gray areas. They're like my happy space. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I just remember something I was supposed to surprise you with today. Um, yeah, speaking of Cal Exotics, uh, we put in your credentials to them, and two days ago you were <laughs> anointed by Cal Exotics as a sexpert, uh, <laughs> professional reviewer of their products uh, in conjunction uh-huh. with shush.com, where you'll be writing them from. So, congratulations. Uh-huh. And, and we're also sending you to California. Did you know that? You've I won have... an all-expense-paid trip to Long to Beach, Long California. <laughs> Uh, what what is this thing we're sending you off to? Uh, so uh, it's called Catalyst Con, which okay. uh, I have to admit it's the first time I've heard of it. But uh, Carol, first, yeah, 
is, you know, she's just one of the pioneers of sort of radical feminist sex positivity. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited and honored to, to be going. Um, yeah, and, they, and they put you in as a speaker um, right off the bat. You're not just going. You're up on the podium up there talking. <laughs> I, I about what I don't know yet, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, you, you you never seem to have any lack for uh, things to talk about. So speaking of lack of things to talk about, we could go on and on forever. But probably this is about the right time on the wall to call this another episode done of Dirty Old Man TV. So Ava, um, just one one last little one last little. Things. Plugs and shoutouts, yeah. Plug whatever. What do you, you want. plug oh, or just okay. just parting parting shot or whatever? Well, you should come hang out with me on livecamnetwork.com uh, to uh, have more intellectual philosophical conversation, of course. Um, and you should read uh, my latest reviews and articles on shush.com. That's three S's and an H. Um, and come to Catalyst Con and watch me freak out while I'm trying to speak <laughs> next to Carol Queen. Yep. And um, as as this whole thing progresses, we're, we've got you set up for access to the Shush Twitter account, so people can follow you. And you I can just see. know what that means. Um, Dude, we've got one. <laughs> we've got a Twitter. It's and, on and screen. And you've got a username and password, and you just go and say, I'm eating a blueberry muffin in Long Beach, California. <laughs> Does anybody really give a shit? I don't understand Twitter, but people seem to like it. So okay, you can I'll, you could, you can follow occasional yeah. comments and musings on our Shush feed. Yeah, check out shushforwomen.com. Of course, that's a great segue into the rest of our Twitters, at Wasteland Movies, uh, to follow Colin and myself, at Simpatico TV. Follow all of us, and you'll always know when an episode's coming up, when an episode goes live. Uh, we'll, we'll, I actually want to start crowdsourcing some questions as well. We want to know what you guys want us to ask our guests. So uh, also follow us on facebook.com slash dirtyoldmentv uh, and ask us questions there as well. All our episodes are posted there. So uh, all the social media is great in terms of inter- being able to interact with our fans and with the general consumer base, whoever's watching the show, who's ever interested in the show. So, um, yeah, just just let us know what you guys want us to talk about. Maybe you have a guest that you really want to see. Uh, let us know who that is, and we can try and get that person for you. But uh, I think that's about going to wrap it up. Go check out SpiceCash.com if you're webmaster. Go check out Wasteland, Femdom Bride, uh, Forbidden East, Mysterix, all the stuff you've been seeing on the overlay. Go check out all those things and uh, give us some of your support. We greatly, thoroughly appreciate it. And leave some comments. We love comments. We want to know what you guys are thinking, uh, both on the website, Twitter, Facebook all that good stuff so that's it for episode number three guys thank you again so much for Ava uh, for, for coming for on Ava Mir M- 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 and uh, of course my co-host Mausian <laughs> did I wait did I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with Munchausen Munchausen alright guys thank you so much Colin Roundtree my co-host and myself Simon at some Papco TV Wasteland Movies and Church for Women we'll see you guys next time <laughs>